Welcome to Change Making Women, the podcast for women who make a difference. With Siada Bade in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. Hi everyone, it's another week and welcome back to our podcast. On today's podcast, we'll be interviewing Lily Oyari, the director of Little Rock Inclusive Early Childhood Development Center in Nairobi, Kenya. I first met Lily about 10 years ago when I was in Nairobi looking for organizations doing inclusive work with disabled children and young people. Back then, I was director of Able Child Africa and we later partnered with Little Rock and supported their fantastic and life-changing work with children in Kibera, Nairobi's largest informal settlement. My name is Marianne Clements, podcasting from London in the UK. And my name is Ziada Bade, podcasting from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. So hi everyone, and um, this evening we're talking to Lily Oyari, who is a good friend of mine in Nairobi, and um, she's the director of a project called Little Rock. She's going to tell us a bit about that this evening, and we're going to be talking to her about her work and her life and how her project got started and what she's learned along the way. I first met Lily, I think it's probably nearly 10 years ago now, when um, I was a director of an NGO called Able Child Africa, and we were looking for people to work with in Kenya, and we held a meeting where we were trying to gather information and consult different people about what projects were out there that were working with disabled children and young people. And then um, Lily came along to that meeting. Someone had told me to ask, told me that she was doing interesting work and invited her to come. And since then we've worked together a lot. So um, yeah, I think it's probably 10 years, right, Lily? Do you remember? Yes, it is. It's, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. It is. It is. Yeah. So you've come a long way since then, but I think it'd be interesting for our listeners to hear just um, a bit about how you got started with Little Rock and also just what it is. Okay. Uh, um, my name is Lily, and as you've heard, I'm the director, founder of Little Rock Inclusive Early Childhood Development Center. We are based in Kibera, Nairobi. Uh, we work with vulnerable children and children with disability. We provide them with early childhood education. Mm-hmm. The story of Little Rock started way back in 2000 when I got an opportunity to visit Kibera and I saw what was going on there. And uh, it forced me to resign from my work to go and uh, see how I could help those children because I felt like education would be an avenue for them to come out of the vicious circle of poverty. And uh, in 2002, I resigned and I went and started volunteering in a school. So, and that is where I saw there was a gap that uh, children in the informal settlement don't get an opportunity to go through kindergarten. They just wait for them to turn six years, seven years, and then they transition to from home to primary school, which becomes a bit difficult because our curriculum is... Uh, inclined for the kids who have 
already gone through kindergarten. So if you're straight from home, it becomes a bit difficult for a child. And that is what we experienced with the group which had come in in 2003. And that is what made me now, inspired me to go and start a kindergarten. So shared with a few head teachers and, uh, and that is now what made me have my base. I called on my friends who were uh, thinking that I was crazy to resign from a, a working in a private institution to go and support kids in, a, in an informal settlement. So they are the ones who kind of formed the backbone. And in 2003, 1st of October, we started off. Uh, the name Little Rock uh, comes from uh, the Bible, the rock upon this rock I shall build my church. And then uh, the little is the focus on little children. So little rock. I didn't want to call it an academy because uh, the needs of an informal settlement are more than education. So uh, early childhood education made some more sense. Mm. So that's how we, we decided to call it little rock ECD center. And then in 2006, when we got in our first special need child, we had now to change the name from Little Rock to Little Rock Inclusive, meaning uh, accepting children with disability to be in our midst. Mm -hmm. I was just going to ask you, Lily, before we go into more about what you do at Little Rock, just to say a little bit more about Kibera for our listeners maybe who, who don't know much about it's just about the informal settlement and what that means in terms of people's lives there. Well, the, the people who live in the Kibera informal settlement are casual laborers. Like you can say 95% of them are casual yeah. laborers who feed into our uh, industries. They're the ones who are employed there on a daily basis. Yeah. And then another group, we, we, some of them are guards, some of them are house help, gardeners. So basically you can say the people who support the uh, people who are living in the upper market. Yeah. And, but and the living there. conditions are, well, how can you describe, I guess I can describe them too. They, they don't have basic services basically, right? Yes, but majority of the services are not. Uh, they are very limited. Things like water, electricity, sanitation is not very good. Yeah. And it's, most of them live in a one-bedroom house. Yeah, mm -hmm. or a sort of um, temporary even shelter or something, right? Yeah. Some of them. Yes. And then uh, most of the structures are mud. Yeah. And they are semi-permanent, so you cannot say it's a good environment for you to raise up your child. No, that's mm. right. And I think yeah. a lot of them have come from up country, right, looking for work. And they kind mm -hmm. of wind up there when they first come to town because they, they don't, like, have the resources to rent a house on the private market, which is actually fairly expensive in Nairobi, right, these days? Yeah. Yes, housing is quite quite expensive when you come from home and then your level of edu education is not that good. Yeah. Then uh, uh, you end up in the informal settlement. That's right. Yeah. 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 Great. So quite really good, amazing work. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Taking that decision, you know, to say, 
I'm going to quit because a lot of people just get absolutely scared. Like I'm going to quit my job and concentrating on, on doing something I love so much. Um, maybe what you, uh, what would you say are your challenges ever since you started till now? The main one is uh, being able to get enough resources to be able to to match the kind of the services the kids need. need a lot of a lot of funds because yeah. the, if you look at the kind of kids we are having, majority of the parents uh, are struggling to pay rent and put food on the table so when you come in with the, something like education and then they're looking at this little child a three-year-old they always have this perception why should i waste my money on a three-year-old yeah they don't know that is the foundation for this child to be able to continue with their education and be able even to reach to levels where they will not come back and live in the informal settlement because it gives them a platform to reach their full potential. Yeah. And yeah. Lily, remind me how it works in terms of the children. I seem to remember that there's that the parents pay a small amount of money, right? And the rest of yeah. it is funded by donors and stuff. Is that right? Yeah, we depend a lot on, on, on well-wishers because mm. the the bulk of the money we get, it's more of a commitment fee. We want the parents to own the, 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 the pro project so that it's not that I'm doing it, I'm just giving you my, my child for free, but you're taking that responsibility to know that your child is going to school and when they go to school, they are being fed well, they, they are learning something and you are also part and parcel of it. Yeah. And tell me, yeah. so tell us, Lily, about you, because you talked about getting started and you just sort of, you just decided to resign from your job and go to Kibera and start working there. And, but tell us a bit more about how you started, like the center that, you know, how you, how you found a space to start and what happened the first day when you opened. I mobilized my friends and we sat down as a committee and all the people who are thinking that I was crazy are the ones now put on the committee and said, <laughs> we can do something about these children. And in our committee, we thought we were going to work with five ch children. But now the number of kids was growing every day because of the things they were finding. A majority of them were fast, fascinated that uh, somebody could go out of their way make sure the kids have got uh, toys and learning materials to make education fun. Mm. Then there was the bit, the snack, which they were very excited. And every morning, both parents and the kids were asking us, are we going to find you tomorrow morning? Because they were not believing. And uh, I normally tell myself that when we were setting up Little Rock, I looked at my child and I asked myself, if this setup was meant for my child what would i provide for them okay. so the numbers have been crazy like that from five to from 12 uh, in 2003 right now we have 400 children who receive early childhood education this year we have our first uh, kids the kids we, we began with in, in 2003 sitting for the kenya Certific certificate of secondary education so in, in two weeks' time, they'll be sitting for their final uh, grade 10 exam. 
grade 12 sorry grade wow. 12 which is uh, from four from four here in kenya yeah wow okay. and one I mean, of them is a hearing impaired child okay yeah okay okay wow mm. <laughs> that is so, so inspirational and um and you have this uh any you know maybe of the parents as being africans for instance misusing you know your programs for instance your feeding program or i've seen that you have the the library first of all how do you sustain that and second do you have you know like parents you know misusing you know that that facility that you're providing to them uh, no, there is a lot of uh, a lot of training which has gone in. Like now, when we started, uh, the, we didn't have enough resources to hire staff, so we used the parents. The parents are the ones who are the cleaners, the cooks, the guards. Whatever we need in our school, most of it is being provided by the parents. So we decided to use them. Like now, we know the parents who who are carpenters. We know the parents who are tailors. Whenever we get orders uh, which are, are not, uh, we cannot handle with the number of parents who are already in school because we have uh, four parents who sit and stitch uniforms in school. So when we get a bigger order, we simply call these other parents and they are able to come and then we are able to finish the orders. Same to paint work. The paint work, if we need anything painted in school, we use the parents. If it is a carpentry, whether we need uh, somebody to repair the chairs or we need new uh, furniture, we simply call the parents and divide the furniture into either three groups and then we, we give the different parents that responsibility. So we have kind of looked inward and like looking outward uh, for the services we, we need. So it has empowered the parents and uh, there's no parent who can make a bad chair for their, their child. Mm, so, yeah, absolutely. So, and, and talking and, and telling them that uh, we need to give quality education to these children because children are children, whether you are uh, living in the private area or living in the upper market, you're still children. If I can take care of my child, uh, I'm still picking my baby from school, they can do the same because these children need to be cared for. They need to be attended to. So now they have known and uh, it has worked out well. Like now the library, we, it is a collaboration between the school and Little Rock and the parent. Because yeah. at the end of the day, the parent is the owner of the child. So the three of us work together and uh, we are getting very, very good results. Mm. Yeah. I always remember something that always sticks in my mind, Lily, is after the post-election violence, and I've even forgotten what year that was now, 2009 or something, yeah? 2008. When I came, and uh, it was just after that had happened, and, the, and I always remember the fact that their parents were like begging, had begged you to keep the school open. Mm -hmm. They felt it was the safest place for their children, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. I always remember that because it was like, it, there was sort of like a bit of chaos around everywhere, but there was that one thing of like, they were like, please, please keep the school open because it's the safest place for our kids to come. And it really spoke to me of like how, the extent to which the, com the community 
mm-hmm. who bring their children to the school have really like embraced um, mm-hmm. the project and they feel part of it and they, you know, they, they really value what it brings to them, even in yeah. that sort of time of what felt quite chaotic, didn't it? In mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also the, the, the issue that uh, we, we give them uh, porridge at 10 mm. and lunch. It's very, very, very central and very, very important. Yeah. There's no way as a teacher you can teach a hungry child and you cannot teach a sick child. So the porridge they get at 10 o'clock and the balanced diet they get at uh, lunchtime really is uh, like a boost to them. So they love being around school. They enjoy being at school all the time. Like getting them out of school is a big, big problem, particularly when they become (laughs) of age. They know that uh, this is where somebody cares for me and provides for me books. I'm able to read. I'm able to finish my homework. And after finishing my homework, I'm given dinner and I go home. So we have the, the two sets. When you come for the after-school program, you still read, get an opportunity to finish your homework, read a storybook. After reading the storybook, then you're given your dinner and then you go home. So now everybody in the home gets to uh, have something to eat that day because the younger ones between uh, uh, four months all the way to eight, uh, 13 years have done the ECD program and then now the older ones come in at 4.30 to quarter to seven and they still eat dinner and then they go home. So when they are going home, they're already uh, satisfied. Even if um, a mother or a father walks in and they have nothing, their children are fed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing project. And I, but I'm interested, Lillian, like what you, so you've been going, whatever, more than 10 years now. Getting on 14. To, yeah, 14. 14. 13 years. 13, 13 sorry. 13 years. Yeah. What, what are your big lessons from the past 13 years of running Little Rock? The, the, the biggest lesson is the, 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 the joy and the, 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 the opportunity the children have gotten. Mm-hmm. Like now we have... Uh, excellent uh, results uh, we we are ever getting a report like now the kids who are in primary school in ayani uh, olympic uh, kibera primary they're posting very good results mm. so it's a motivation and we are ever getting requests people wanting to come to our school mm. the kids who have gone through all the way to class eight they have been able to go to high school. Quite a number of them are doing very well. And this year we got three kids going to national schools. Mm. And they were, uh, they were admitted because of their uh, grades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So wow. we are posting very good uh, re- results. And then also the mother, on the mother's side, some of the mothers have been able to go back to school. Those ones we could... Uh, take to schools they're, they're now seeing the importance of them uh, having an education because when we send the kids back at home to to finish their homework 
some of them are getting challenged and it has motivated them to go back to school. So we have parents who have actually gone back to school and they are pursuing the, they're going to sit. We have one sitting for her grade 12 and another one sitting for her grade eight exam. And then we also the parents who are HIV positive, we get an opportunity to meet them and they meet every, every they meet twice a month and they just get their babies checked to make sure that they, they have safe delivery and their kids don't get infected. Those eating healthy and making sure that you go for, you take, they, they take their kids to the clinic. So we have such programs which have really helped the parents. And also for the parents just to know that it is their responsibility to take care of their children, not only to just give birth and then you, you, you dump your baby there, the teacher is going to take care of the, your child, but to make sure you attend uh, open days, you, you attend their graduation, you attend uh, their sports day, you know, music festival, whenever they are having those uh, events we invite the parents and the parents are able to participate. And most of the parents are, are now getting to know and understand that it is very important. It builds the self-esteem of the children and the kids are able to work very well. And it is being seen in their results, even when they leave Little Rock, when they go out there, everywhere you go, you hear the top student is from Little Rock, the top student is from Little Rock. And those are some of the benefits of uh, our work mm. wow. wow um and so lily at the moment you're based um in kibera any plans of you know expanding your services to other parts of kenya for instance or even outside kenya let's say east africa <laughs> <laughs> well for me i say if 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 i'm given the resources i would be willing to to share uh, our work with other people. The only challenge is that you find uh, the, there's no uh, much you can do because we are also struggling with resources. Yeah. So what I have done this year is to uh, go out, like we have partnered with the different organizations to see how we can duplicate what we are doing. So it's still on the initial stages where we are still working to see whether it will work the inclusion bit so we are doing advocacy we have started by doing advocacy and sensitizing the community the schools around us that it is important for them to include children with disability mm -hmm. so that is one thing which we have now started this year mm -hmm. and also i have joined a forum i got an opportunity to join the ecd uh, forum Kenyan chapter. We are thinking of uh, starting by mapping out to know how many uh, ECD centers are there and uh, how many daycare centers are there. And we already start. We have already started talking to the Ministry of Education, and uh, our model might be picked because these other people who are in this forum uh either in in the international organization or civil society i am the only one who is an Im implementer on the ground right. so my model is com coming out as a the best model and we are having people coming in to see what we are doing 
what we have put in place for them to go and do the similar in their different counties, in their di in the different uh, uh, we call them wards and uh, towns. So it's like you're influencing them by showing them what you're doing and and so giving them ideas so they can go back and actually do it themselves, right? Yes. Yeah, because I and I know from working with you, as you know, that um that the 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 challenge with your program has always been like how to fund it on a sustainable basis so that you, mm -hmm. you know that you've got resources to keep it running because you're working with families who are, are mm -hmm. very poor basically, right? And so yeah. um, you um you know you you you're always challenged about how you're going to fund that and I'm interested to know what what you've what you've learned about fundraising because I know that you started off like by asking as you said your friends and family and stuff um but obviously there's a limit to how long that can sustain a project as it grows so what are your big learnings like maybe for, if you were talking to someone who was starting a project now, what would you tell them about fundraising? Like maybe some of our listeners. Well, for, for me, I started uh, with going out from friends and then family and then uh, give me an item. Like now we started off with say, I need sugar, I need cooking oil, I need flour. But now the numbers have, uh, the number of children who are in the center are, has grown so I can no longer rely on that so now I have gotten in touch with the different organizations who are sponsoring we have signed contracts some three years some four years others six years and others have no cap like mm -hmm. now in uh, Africa doesn't have a cap of saying yeah. now we're going to work with you for three years. It's a yearly contract which is renewed yearly, which has been very, very, very good for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But others, we, we sign contract with them for three years. But we are also trying to do local fundraising. Mm -hmm. We contact uh, different companies to, to see whether they can incorporate us in their CSR package. But the challenge is that we are very many organizations yeah. who are helping children so sometimes you are able to you get uh, support sometimes you don't get support sometimes they spread themselves so thin so you're given very little amounts but those little amounts still amount to something yeah so we, it forces us to do a lot of uh, fundraising going to different companies going to schools we, we have also targeted schools and we also hold things like dinner Mm -hmm. We have a fundraising dinner. This year we have done a walk. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a fundraising walk. And then we are also thinking of doing a musical concert because we, we, we graduate children every year. So we want to see whether during our graduation we can have a musical concert which the kids will perform and then people can do a contribution yeah. towards Because we are looking at... Uh, uh, building some 11 more classrooms for the we are having a very big challenge transitioning our children with uh, special needs mm -hmm. so some of them we don't want to to take them back at home mm -hmm. because we have already done with them the ECD program and they are showing a lot of progress some of them are not academically inclined so we want to start teaching them uh, life skills mm -hmm. and uh, things like art things like music 
because some of them can can participate in a Paralympic. So we want to see whether we can have indoor games and uh, make them participate and be able to send them out there and also compete with these other kids. And uh, which will eventually earn them a living. You never know. Yeah. Yes, so that is what we are doing. So we'll have a musical concert during our graduation and we will also want to see whether we can uh, perform it in a theatre mm-hmm. and to, 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 to raise funds. So, and yeah, and just as you mentioned that, you, so you're saying that you're thinking of building some extra classrooms so that you can provide an on, ongoing education for some of the disabled children who aren't able to progress to, into mainstream schools, right? yes is that what you're saying yeah so um it would be interesting to hear a bit more i know i know quite a lot about it but um our listeners won't really about how you came to be an inclusive center like what what made you decide to incorporate and include disabled children into the project in the first place well, in 2006, we, we, we normally take our children, we do our admissions in September. We don't do our admissions in January because we want you as a parent to, to look for a school for your child. I look for a school for my child. I don't just wait until January, then I am running Helter Skelter. It is something which is planned. We sit down and say, this is where we want to take our child for, for class one. Mm. And we at walking towards that and mm-hmm. working towards it. So it's the same uh, thing we have introduced to, to the parents in the informal segment. We are telling them, there is no way you can wake up one morning and say, okay, my child is fit to go to class one or my child is fit to go to kindergarten and you walk into a kindergarten and find a place for, for your child. If you want quality education, you've got to look for it. Mm-hmm. So we do our admission in September. Mm-hmm. So when we were doing our admission, this parent walked in and I decided I want an education for my child. So we were wondering why she was holding on to her baby because we, our setup is very, very colorful, colorful and child-friendly. Whenever children walk in, the first place is the playpen. So this lady decided to just hang on to her baby girl. So we were asking ourselves why? Then uh, as uh, she reached the registration desk, we asked her, why aren't you allowing your baby to go and swing like these other children? And she told us her baby is not walking. And as mothers, we asked ourselves, if this was my baby, what would I, what answers would I expect from the other side? And that is how we accommodated Melody into our setup. Mm-hmm. She had, she had a cerebral palsy and, um, we, we also got to learn what is cerebral palsy and uh, it inspired us to go out there and look for other children who are like Melody. Mm-hmm. And that is how we opened our door for children with disability because we found others who are locked and others with other disability. So we simply opened our door and said, please come. We are ready to attend to you. We are ready to welcome you. We are ready to communicate with you and provide your child with quality early childhood education, which was our mandate and our core business. Quite interested to know how is the um, 
the situation. I think overall in Kenya with parents with disabled children, because in Tanzania you find that there are still parts of uh, you know Tanzania or parts some of the parents that still hide their children, you know, especially the children with disabilities. How is that situation um, in Kenya right now? It's still the same. There's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of stigma where there's a disabled child yeah. and the, the parents hide them. Some disown them. The fathers run away. There is cultural, you know, uh, uh, mixed in it because they believe maybe you had sinned and you're being punished. So most of the fathers run away. Mm. And how have you been, have you been able to address that, Lily, through the program, or what, what support have you been able to offer the mothers if they are left with um, the disabled child, maybe other children that they have? Because I know, yeah, I know something about that context. Have you, how have you been able to support the parents that are that are around? We we have mostly most of the time we don't charge the parents. Mm -hmm who have children with disability because you find a mother has got six kids and one of them is disabled mm -hmm. and you find because uh, they've been hiding this child they have not gotten an opportunity to go and look for employment so yeah. well once we take the child then we give this mother an opportunity to go out there and look for for a job and we we also release the siblings because when the mother is going out to find for the family, one, one child has to be uh, remained behind to take care of this uh, special child. So when we opened our center, it's like it has become a place where they, they are comfortable leaving their children. And on top of them leaving their children, we have made sure the kids are going through therapy. So mm -hmm. we have therapists on site. We have an occupation therapist, a physiotherapist, a speech therapist on site to help these kids uh, with their therapy so that they can also fit in our classrooms because our classrooms are inclusive. We do not segregate the kids and say we have a special unit. No, we put all the kids in, in, in the classroom and they are learning together. So we have become advocates of inclusion and uh, we have started going around uh, different institutions, like now the primary schools, to sensitize the, the teachers, to sensitize the pupils, and to sensitize the head teachers, plus the education officers, to allow these kids to go to school. Because we have already done the ECD program, and we are having that challenge of transitioning them to the primary school. So we have taken it upon ourselves to do the advocacy around the schools which are next to Little Rock. Mm, so that those kids can go into the primary setting if they're able to, right? Yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. And then you were saying you, you have a few that can't do that and that's what you want to provide extra for them now. Yes, we, we have a few like now, uh, you, you see that the ones who we have transitioned, those are like top, top. They're good. They're good kids. They can survive. Mm. And what we have done is we have made the school uh, disability friendly by making sure there are ramps. We have uh, put the rails and we have made the toilets accessible. And we are also providing assistive devices and learning materials mm. for these kids to, to be able to continue with the education. Now we are finding those ones who are moderate. The ones who are moderate cannot fit into our 
public school classrooms because they are very huge. You find a class has got about 60 plus children. So yeah. when you have a special need child, uh, the teacher tends to, con to concentrate on the, the faster ones. So we want to give this moderate uh, group an opportunity to also continue learning. Instead of giving them 20 sums, we want to see whether they can do 10, even yeah. three, even five. Yeah. Yes. And then maybe go to the Ministry of Education and say, give these children an opportunity to sit for the exams. You don't have to give them the 50 sums which we are all given. You can give them 30, you can give them 20 and still be able to grade them and say this child was able to get these marks based on their ability, yeah. not, not the standards which have been set by the Ministry of Education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, that is what so we are looking at. Okay, and so far as like, has the ministry been supportive of it or they're still, you know, it's in the cloud, they still thinking about it or they're more than willing to actually go with it? They are very willing, like uh, on, on uh, Wednesday last week, I was in the ministry, Ministry of Education, MOE, and we met with the director of education and he was even telling us, because as we have started with the, with the children, we have gone to the schools, we've started with the parents, we are now encouraging the parents and telling the parents, please bring your children out. We want them to go to school. We want them to learn together with these other kids because we are having a challenge. Like, for example, I think Marianne knows. Andy, Andy is calling out for, for youth with disability for job placement. It is not working because they are not there. Yeah. They didn't go to school. So they're having a challenge. So we are telling parents, please bring your children, let them go to school together, let them learn from each other because there's a lot of peer-to-peer -peer learning which mm. takes place. And it really, really boosts the, the, the special need child because we have seen it our, at our center that a child walk, walked in without a speech and because there's music, there is art, there is singing, there's running, you find given two years, they start talking, they have developed their speech and given a little more time, you find this child being able to talk, being able to walk, being able to feed themselves. Yeah. So we are going out telling people inclusion is the way to go. So the ministry is now telling us, please come and train us because we, we are seeing like uh, we are not picking understanding what what you're talking about but now they are ready they're saying come and tell us because they are the policy makers mm. yes. and they've seen what you've done and they're like how are they doing this yes. right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they come to the center and they're like are you sure you're in kenya i'm like yes <laughs> in, in formal sex Oh, and it's just, it's just the, the whole part of, you know, making, you're normalizing the whole, you know, that part. It's not like, you know, this peer, they have to have their own special school and so on. I no. think that, you know, that exclusive exclusivity of some sort, a lot of people feel like we are giving them special attention by an actual fact you're just excluding them from the rest yeah. of the people and then they don't feel normal, you know. Yeah. yeah. It becomes, yeah. So, like, like I can give an experience. We we are working with thirteen schools already. We have done uh, advocacy for thirteen schools. So the last school we did on uh, 
Thursday was thicker school for the blind. So we go there and we are finding these kids who are uh, albino, but they can't see. So we are asking these teachers, why are you having these albino children here? And we can see they can fit in a regular school. And they're looking at us and like, what? Said yes. This child can see. The, the, the thing is, is, they have low vision. So what do we do with them? You give them uh, glasses, reading glasses, to enable them uh, read. Yeah. They can fit in a regular class. And they were like, no, 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 no. We said, no, just imagine that you, 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 you are taking this child to a high school because th that is where the challenge comes in. The primary, it is very nice. But when they go to high school, they never, we don't have enough high schools to uh, fit in all these kids who are being channeled out from Thika School for the Blind. But you see, they have mixed the moderate, the mild, the severe. Mm. Even this severe child can fit in a normal class yeah. and learn with the other kids. Yeah. So that is what we want to, uh, to, to, to stand across and say, Please release them so that, because when they finish work, all of us keep on staring at them and wondering, where have you come from? Yet they've been there because they've been put in their special school. Nobody gets to hear that there's a deaf child. Like now for us, all of us have learned sign language. It is a must. Every child in Little Rock has learned sign language. You come to Little Rock, you cannot... Yes, and... Uh... That's a really good point. Very inspirational. I think it's something that can be said. So everyone is actually included. And it's, as you say, primary is fun, it's normal. But then once you progress to your secondary school, then that's a whole ball, a different ball game. <laughs> yeah, they imagine that uh, you, because you, you are deaf, you should be a, become a cobbler. Because you are deaf, you should become a yeah. shushina. Because yeah. you are deaf, you know? Why? And they have brains. It's mm. only that they, they cannot communicate. But yes, they have brains. And some of them are very like now, I'm saying this year we have a child who has done all the way to grade 12. And she'll be, he will be sitting for his uh, Kenya Certificate of Secondary Education. Mm. If we said he was supposed to become a cobbler after class eight, right now he would be a cobbler by the roadside. Yeah. How have you changed their life? So at Little Rock, we allow all children to dream. Children like Melody, the one who inspired us to start Little Rock. She's a senator. She went for children's parliament. One day when the ministry came and said, we're looking for children to participate in the children's assembly. We sent in, we sent in our Melody and she came back a senator. Why? Because she could articulate her, her issues. And she, when she went there, she asked those people, why am I the only child on a wheelchair? You want to tell me we don't have children on wheelchair? And everybody was like, what? We never thought of you people. So you see, when they came to Little Rock and she said, I go to school in, a in an inclusive school. I learn with regular kids. And everybody was like, we want to come and see that school. And when they came, they found Melody seated in her class and she's talking English and she's reading and right now she'll be sitting for her exams next year. Mm. At, yeah. At class eight. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. 
it's, uh, it's so inspirational what you do, Lily. And I just, before we um, finish talking to you, I just wanted, wanted to ask you, like, what your message would be to somebody who has fear that they want to make a difference about something. What would your, like, message be? What would your, maybe advice or a few things that you might want to share? Well, uh, it starts with the passion. You must have the passion for you to... Uh, be able to make a difference mm. because you cannot just say here I am you must have some driving force in you what do you want like now for, for me is to see a community where children are given an opportunity to go to kindergarten because I believe kindergarten is the foundation Mm. For these other steps, foundation to primary, foundation to high school, foundation to university. So I have dedicated my life to do it. I don't wait to be paid. I don't wait for somebody to recognize my work. The, the focal person is, a, the focus person is a child. Yeah. What do I want for this child? So you go for it. And the, the smile, you know, when, you, when, when I walk into Little Rock and I see the smile of those children, uh, when you're walking on the road, you see them identifying with you. Oh, teacher Lily, how are you? And them coming back to give you results has been my driving force. So it starts with the passion. What do you want for mm. this child? Mm. And it is very possible. You, you just have to have that faith in you that you will make it. And uh, funds should not be the, the, the guiding thing. You can start small, like now the way we started small, and then we have grown yeah. from 12 to 400 kids attending the ECD. Right now, our population is at 1,021. But we started with 12. We keep tab data of all the kids. We're able to say so-and-so is here, so-and-so is here. That one has helped and working with the kids because these kids, uh, some of them have lost their parents. So making sure that you are uh, out there looking for new things. Like now we started with an ECD program, but this ECD program has given birth to 11 different programs. Mm -hmm. And all these programs started because of a need. Yeah. Yes. And making us go out there looking for solutions for these children to make sure that they, they live a comfortable life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, you're out there actually changing lives. <laughs> Not mm -hmm. just, you know. Yeah, um, I, I guess, all right, a fun question. So who is Lily outside uh, Little Rock? <laughs> <laughs> Lily, Lily is a mother and a wife. <laughs> and what does she love doing outside Little Rock? <laughs> I love cooking for my family. I mm. love, um, I have uh, participated in church activity. I'm very, very active in my church, uh, apart from uh, uh, just attending. What else? What else do you like, Lily? Tell us, tell us about I your like cooking. You like I love cooking. cooking. What about sh and shopping? I shopping. I like shopping for Little Rock. Learning <laughs> I love shopping. Oh yes. I love learning materials just mesmerize me when I come to London. 
<laughs> Wherever I go, by the way, even when I go to, like, I went to Brazil the other day, and when I saw the learning materials, my, my host was like, what, Lily, why are you going to carry? I said, uh-uh, uh-uh, I must carry these things for my children. <laughs> yeah. I love shopping <laughs> for <Yeah>. learning materials. <laughs> and other things, too. Shh. Sometimes, <laughs> no, those are for my girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's been um, a wonderful conversation, indeed. Yeah. Um, really, really inspiring. I mean, your work is just beautiful, and I, you know, I hope to see more of those centers in East Africa and in Tanzania, especially. You know, mm. so thank you very much for your work. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And you need to check on our website, www.littlerockkenya.org. Yeah. Okay. And, and where else can people read um, your work aside from your website? Are you on Facebook, Lily? Are you on Facebook, um, Twitter? Yes. Okay. Not Twitter, maybe give it about uh, a, a week. <laughs> we'll be setting up something. But Facebook, you're there. Is it Little Rock? I can't remember. Tell us what it is on Facebook. Little Rock, uh, Kenya. Little Rock, Kenya. All right. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, somebody has written my story. I'm on YouTube. If you 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 want a story mm -hmm. about okay. education, I'm also on YouTube. Oh, okay. Oh, how how so do I'm we find that? We'll put the link, maybe. Sorry, Ziada, carry on. No, no, yeah, I was asking for the for the handle. Is it as your name on YouTube or as Little Rock? Little Rock. Little Rock. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for taking your time out. I know it's a bit late, but <laughs> really, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you, Lily. It's good to talk to you. I am sure one or two children will benefit from our talk. I'm sure they will. I'm yes. Sure they will. Yeah. And then I, I invite people to come. I'm ready to share so that a child's life can be transformed. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I guess next yeah. time I'm in Nairobi. Thank you for the introduction, yes, I have to go. I mean, yeah, you, to, you must go, go and visit. You must and go and visit Ziad yes. next time you're in Nairobi, definitely. This episode of Change Making Women was produced and edited by Zadar Abade. And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com. <laughs>